Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Breakfast in the class today is sponsored by Mark Sit, dedicated in honor of the Sarur and Shira families in celebration of the birth of baby Rini to Cookie and Richard Sarur, Mabruk. Breakfast in the class is also dedicated in loving memory of Abdo Sultan. Alava Shalom Lilun Yishmat Obadia Ben Bahieh, sponsored by his family. Uh, breakfast in the class also dedicated in loving memory of uh, Albert Kada. Alava Shalom Lilun Yishmat Abraham Ben Rosa. Alava uh, Shalom for the first year Askara, sponsored by his family, the Kada family. Um, and finally, the week of Kobu is dedicated in loving memory of Sami Sayed. Alava Shalom Lilun Yishmat Shilabu Ben Rivka, sponsored by his son uh, Isaac Sayed. <clears throat> okay. In this week's parasha, we read about the Brit Milah. And there's a very interesting expression that gets said or mentioned when the time for the Brit arrives. They make the Beracha, and finally they do the Brit Milah, and everyone at the Brit Milah, they shout out the words, Keshem shenichnas laberit, ken yikanes Torah tovim. Just as he got into the Brit Milah, so too we should come through uh, in, uh, in all these different areas of Torah Chupa and Maasim Tovim. Go. All right. Um, I want to take a look at this expression that gets said. Kishem shenichnas laberit, just as he entered the berit, ken yikanes, so too he should enter Torah, Torah mitzvot, Torah chupa, and getting married, ulamasim tovim and good deeds. Okay? Now, there's two different nuschaot, the Sephardim, Ashkenazim, even among Sephardim, there's two different expressions that get said. One is kishem shenichnas, just as he enters the Berit, so too he should enter Torah, Chupan, Maasim, Tovim. And the second expression is, Kishem Shehichnasto, just as you brought him in to Torah, Chupan, uh, to, to Brit Milah, you should bring him into Torah, Chupan, to Maasim, Tovim. Now, let's take a, take a look at these two uh, ideas and hopefully we'll be able to pull out something beautiful, something interesting and something uh, valuable to learn uh, for each and every one of us. Let's assume for one second, first we're speaking about the Nusach that we said, Kishem Shehichnasto, just as you brought him in, Torah Tovim. You know, many Jewish parents, the Sefer Dibat Abam writes beautifully. He says, um, just as many parents, they understand that it is their job to raise the child. The moment the child is born, you do everything for this kid. You baby-proof the house, you're feeding the baby. After you feed the baby, the baby's not getting enough from the mother, you bring him... What's it called? You supplement the, the, uh, the food he receives by bringing him formula because that formula has different vitamins, has different mi- minerals that he seems to be deficient in, right? You take the kid to school. The school starts reading. The school starts, so I'm already, you know, I have already the kid enrolled in school, but I see he's not reading as fast or as, uh, with as much comprehension as his uh, peers in the class. What do I do with that child? I pull him out. I get him remedial help. I get him a tutor, right? Same thing. Kid's not well adjusted, you get him a therapist. You do everything you need to in order to ensure that your child is okay. You celebrate his bar mitzvah, you buy him his clothes, you take care of everything. Every parent in the Jewish nation understands that when it comes to a child, the parent needs to be there, needs to be involved, and needs to intervene. The challenge is that a lot of times a parent thinks that as a kid grows up, now I need to let the kid make all his own mistakes. Now I pull back as a parent and I let the child, it's up to him. He's already uh, 12 years old. He's already 13 years old. I remember hearing one parent tell me, he said, you know, uh, listen, Rabbi, it's not up to me anymore. My child is already nine years old, has to make his own decisions. It's not up to me anymore. My child is nine years old. I said, Rohi, until when do you pay alimony? 
Until when are you obligated? Until when is it considered neglect? Until when is a child, is there truancy? If a child doesn't go to school, not until he's nine, until he's an adult. What are you talking about? So we say, when a child is brought into a brit milah, uh, what happens? The father has to do everything for the kid. The kid needs to be carried in. The party needs to be arranged. Parents, your job is not over parenting your child just because the kid no longer wears diapers. Kishem nasto laberit, so too you should bring him into Torah. Chupa, ma'asim tovim. What does it mean to bring him into Torah? It means that the same way, if he's not up to scratch in reading, uh, in, in English or in mathematics, you get him a tutor, you make sure you're paying extra money, make sure you're also bringing in a tutor so he knows how to read properly. He knows how to lead the services. He's able to go be the hazard at the end of the day. He's able to read from the Torah, you know, here and there, even as a child. You see a kid is not involved in Torah and mitzvot, he's not engaged. You tell yourself, well, I'm already paying for, already paying for Jewish school. What do you want more from my life? Tuition crisis, 25, 30, $40,000. My friends, you're paying the same price for his secular studies. But he still has a math tutor. But he still has an English tutor. So why are you not also paying for the Torah and mitzvot cheshbon? If he's not relating to his teachers, find him someone to learn with that will engage him, both in terms of the skills in reading, the Gemara in reading, the Sidur, but also in terms of excitement. Maybe his 60-year-old rabbi is not someone that he connects with. So find him, a young guy, if you want, reach out to me. I'll find you a guy who's excitable, who's 19, who's 22, who's sitting in, in school, in university, in yeshiva, that could sit and learn with him on the phone or in person. So to bring him into Torah and into mitzvot and as well into ma'asim tovim. Did the baby bring himself to the brit milah? You had to carry him. Carry your kid to shul. Carry your kid to the tutor. Carry your kid to the shiur. Carry your kid, again, figuratively, literally. I don't mean drag him. I didn't say drag him. I said carry him. Figure out a way to bring the child to the mitzvah, even if the kid either won't, can't, doesn't know enough to be able to do it himself. You know, just the other day, I was sitting here. I'm going to give him a beautiful shout out. Rafi Hasbani asked me, when are we starting the father-son minyan again? I said, Lesh, why? He says, my kids were complaining. Three weeks already, they said. We haven't had a kid's father-son minyan. They're desperate to go to shul. What a beautiful job of chinuch that is, that the kid is asking to come uh, to the synagogue. Sometimes you carry a child physically. Sometimes you carry a child by bringing him lollipops. Sometimes you carry a child by making a chart. Sometimes you carry a child by showing him how excited you are when he's doing something. That's the right thing. And I'm going to say something that some people are not going to like. Maybe some of the young listeners won't like. Maybe some of the older people won't like. You're involved in his mitzvah, in his mitzvot, in his Torah. You were involved in his brit milah. You're also involved lechupa. Parents need to play an active role in the people their child married. Parents should not take an active role in their children's marriages. We're living in an upside-down generation where the parents don't get involved in who their kids are dating and then they want to be involved after their kids are married. 
Not only did you not set your kid up to marry the right person by offering a little bit of uh, uh, sage advice, a little bit of parental guidance, by telling your child, this is a little bit of a red flag. What, you know, are you being, paying attention to this? Did you watch this? Did you notice this? What's going on here? Not telling the kid, I forbid you, you must, none of that, but involved, carrying them through the process. In our generation, Majnun, they're not getting involved in the part of the process that they could make a difference in, and then they're getting involved in this. They're causing, they're telling their daughter, how come you're not coming for two Shabbats in a row? How come you went over there two more times than you came to our side? How come this? How come that? The parents are poisoning the well of the marriage. Now is not the time. It doesn't say, the Torah, the mitzvot, the chuppah, the shalom bayit. It doesn't say that. La chuppah. After that, Allah come on. Right? My friends, I want to add uh, one last point, okay? We've discussed this idea of the concept of, a per, of parents being involved in their children's lives. But my friends, as I said earlier, there's another nusach as well. The other nusach is, Kishem shenichnas laberit, just as he entered the berit. Now what's the difference between hichnasto and nichnas? Who's hichnasto referring to? Parents. So this line is being said to the parent, Hazaku Baruch Dad, Hazaku Baruch Mom, you got the kid to the Milah, you should be zochet to bring them to all of them. Simple interpretation is that, you know what, you merited to be alive for this, Bezat Hashem, you'll be there, you'll be alive, you'll merit to see as well all these wonderful things, okay? But there's another interpretation, another word that gets said, Nichnas, the same way you entered the Berit. Who are we talking to now? If that's the case, we're not talking to the parents at all, we're talking to... The child. What does it mean the same way you entered the... So again, literal interpretation is the child lived to be able to get to his Brit Milah. We bless him. He should have Torah. He should also go into, uh, into Torah, to Chupa. He should merit to be married, etc. But the question is, Kishem Shinichnas means it's almost like we're drawing a parallel. The same way you got to this, you should get to that. What's the allegory of Kishem? in the child. And I want to offer a very interesting explanation. The Gemara says in Menachot on page Mem Gimel, the Gemara says, David HaMelech went to go to the Bet HaMerhatz, to go bathe. Anyway, he takes off his clothing, he's about to go dip in the water, he's not wearing any clothing. He all of a sudden realizes, Uli, I'm naked from mitzvot. Not only am I naked, but I have no mitzvot. Where's my tefillin? Where's my sisit? Where's my kippah? Nothing. I have no mitzvot. Kivan shera'ah, says the Gemara. But he saw that his brit milah, and he was consoled. Because even in a moment where he was naked, right, he still had the mitzvah of brit milah. And on this, says the Gemara, he composed a mizmor. Which mizmor did David write about this? Lam natseach ala sheminit. The song of the eighth. What's the song of the eighth? The eighth day a person has a brit milah. David HaMelech composes a song about the fact that even when he's naked, he only has brit milah. Now, my friends, it must not escape your attention a parallel that we look for. Always I tell you that on the surface level, you read Torah, you only catch a glimpse. It's like a person thinking that the ocean is its surface. It's madness. The surface of the water is not a tenth, it's not a hundredth, it's not a millionth, it's not a billionth, it's not a trillionth of the drops that are in the ocean. 
But yet, some people, they look and they read and they think that the words of the Torah is all that's there, but they're not looking deeper underneath the surface. And a lot of times, in order to draw our attention to such things, the Torah writes things in a way where it sounds familiar, like I've heard this before. Where else have we seen the concept of nakedness and Berit Milah together? We just mentioned it in the Haggadah. In the Haggadah we say, when the Jewish people are in Egypt, Ve'at Erom Ve'eriah. You were naked. Va'omar lach, and I told you, b'damai chayi, b'damai chayi. What's that referring to? When the Jewish people were leaving Egypt, they had no mitzvot. Zero. They were Egyptian almost in every single way. They had three things. They, were, they wore the same clothes. They had the same language. They, they had the same names. But those are not mitzvot in the Torah per se. So they had no mitzvot. They had no merits. God said, you know what I'm going to give you? I'm going to give you the mitzvah of Brit Milah. And I'm going to give you the mitzvah of... Korban Pesach. Now you have, you have a mitzvah. Va'omar lach b'damayich ha'i, va'omar lach b'damayich. Damayich is a double expression, it's plural. There were two bloods that the Jewish people had that brought them back to life. And those two bloods were the blood of Korban Pesach on the doorpost and the blood of the Brit Milah. My friends, listen to this. So once again, we find this concept of nakedness being covered over by Brit Milah, saved by Brit Milah. David HaMelech is writing a, uh, a Mizmor Tehillim on this. What's going on here? And I want to share with you a piercing idea expressed by Hatam Sofer. He says that what it means that David HaMelech went to the Merhats, it doesn't just mean that he noticed this in the bathhouse. David HaMelech never ever took his clothes off other than that one time in the bathhouse. It was a one time he thought of this idea, what's going on? He says something unbelievable. He says the great Sadiqim, at least this is the way I understand what he's saying. The great Sadiqim, when they're doing something, they always understand and relate to what they're doing at the deepest possible level. So as an example, when the Sadiqim were, were searching for chametz in their house, they would cry. Why would they cry? Because they recognize that chametz represents uh, the Yesehara. And as they would be looking everywhere to try and find the chametz, they would also be thinking about their own internal failings and their own shortcomings. And they would be reminded of the process of self-betterment and self-analysis. Okay? A sadiq, when he does something, always thinks about the deeper meaning and the allegory and the symbolism about what he's doing. When David Amelech was in the Merhats one day, he was purifying himself, he was cleansing himself. He wasn't only cleaning himself from the dirt on his skin, he was also cleaning himself from the dirt inside of himself. He was thinking about being pure. And he wondered to himself, is there any mitzvah that I have in the bathhouse? He's not only asking, where's the mitzvah when I'm not wearing clothes? He was asking a much deeper question. When I come to look at purity and perfection, how many mitzvot do I have in my pocket that are 100% pure, that I didn't do for any other reason? I didn't do for honor. I didn't do for recognition. And I didn't do for sakhar, for anything, for reward. And he looked and he said, maybe I put on tefillin because I want Gan Eden. Maybe I put on sisit because I want the protection of sisit. Maybe I put, do keep Shabbat because mikora beracha. Which mitzvah did I do in my life, do I have in my life that I know had no ulterior motive in it whatsoever? Brit milah. He recognizes a mitzvah that I did as a child that I could not have thought of any other thoughts uh, as to why I want to do it. So David Amelah said, wow, a song for the Sheminit. 
What David HaMelech is teaching us is not, yay, we have a mitzvah of, of Brit Milah. What David HaMelech is saying is much deeper. He's saying if I have a source, if I have a connection to God, which is 100% pure, which is 100% clean, has nothing else involved, no thoughts for me, no thoughts for sachar, no thoughts for reward, that means that in one moment, in one area, in one experience in my life, I connected to God completely upon that platform. I could build all the mitzvot. God says to the Jewish people, I want to give you Korban Pesach. I want to give you the Korban, the sacrifice which represents your freedom, your journey towards the mitzvot, your journey towards being not just free from Paro, but free from the shackles of the animalistic elements of humanity. I want you to be different, God says. But before I do that, before you can eat Korban Pesach, call Arel lo yochalbo. If you have a, you have a, don't have a brit milah, you can't eat from the Korban Pesach. You have to have a brit milah. Why? So that there should be a platform upon which to build. It's not by mistake that the brit represents the covenant between God and the Jewish people. Because every other mitzvah that it's possible you could be doing for another reason. That's not a covenant between you and him. That's a covenant between you and you. At Erom yeah, you're naked. Here's a brit milah. David HaMelech. You're recognizing as you cleanse yourself, maybe there's no mitzvah, I have one. And if I have one, then there's something to build upon that. My friends, I want to share with you that that's true about Torah and mitzvot. It's true about ma'asim uh, tovim. But there's one word in there as well that also is very important. Chupa. If this is the interpretation, according to Hatam Sofer, of the berit milah, now we understand that you have to come to marriage with a brit milah. What does that mean? Of course it means you have to be married to someone Jewish. But what does it mean you need to come to marriage? This idea of the brit milah, that there needs to be something that you did without any self-interest. That is the essence of chupah. If you cannot walk down that aisle and think not of yourself, but only of her. Not of her, not of yourself or the girl, but only of him then you have no business being under the chuppah. The concept of marriage is the same as this idea of Brit Milah. So we wish this little boy, as he's being born, we wish him two things. Number one, that this should be the hallmark of his life. But number two, that when the time comes to find the other half of his soul, he could remember the concept of the Birit and find it in his heart to see this woman for what she is, to want to be with her for her to give her everything, to take care of her, to hold her up on a pedestal. Like the Gemara says, He honors her like himself, and he, he treats her like himself, and he honors her, even, from, even more than himself. The Torah is expecting that in both, gener in both ways, uh, in terms of the chuppah. So my friends, I want to ask you, in challenging you today, I want to ask you to, con to remember this concept, the nakedness and the power of Brit Milah that there's a part of you which is completely altruistic. There's a part of you that wants to do things only because it's the right thing to do. That moment signified by the Brit Milah, whether you're a man or a woman, you're part of this covenant. If that exists in you, then there's a possibility of doing mitzvot from the highest possible place. And there's a possibility of engaging in your marriage, in your most important relationship, in a, from a place of complete selflessness. 
Ask yourself right now, for the person I love most in the world, what could I do for them that I get no benefit from, but that I know that they would appreciate so much? And then that prayer that they said at your Brit Milah or at your child's Brit Milah, will have become true in you, in your marriage, in your Asiata Mitzvot, and in, and in your prayers. They tell a story about a man who one time came and the guy came, poured out his heart. I need this, I need that. Look at how beautiful your office is. You're making so much money. Please have mercy on me. I have nothing. I have no food. I have no this. I have no that. The guy, anyway, he gives him a donation. The guy says, thank you very much. He starts to walk out. The Sadiq says, come back. He calls him back. He gives him another donation. The guy leaves. Anyway, the Shamosh of the Sadiq, he says, why did you give him? He says, listen. I'm a Sadiq, I pray all the time, I learn all the time, but I also have a very successful business. People come to me for Sadaqah. Someone came to me just now and he told me, look how much you have, look how little I have, please give me Sadaqah. He says, I gave him. I felt so guilty that I have everything and he has nothing. I gave him. But as he left, I realized that I gave him out of guilt. And when you give out of guilt, you're giving to make yourself feel better. I didn't want that the mitzvah should be for me. So I called him back after I didn't feel guilty anymore. And now I gave him again, but this time for him, this time for the mitzvah. May Hashem bless us to have this beautiful heart, the heart that he planted inside each and every Jew. Baruch Adonai Le'olam. Amen ve'amen.